Hey DCL fans, it's Wes. If you're thinking about taking a Disney cruise vacation, consider booking your trip with us. We are independent travel agents affiliated with Mickey World Travel, a platinum Disney earmarked agency. Not only can we answer all your questions and help you with all the planning details, but we'll give you some onboard credit up to $1,000 to spend on your trip. That's free money to spend on whatever you want just for booking with us. Spa treatments, port adventures, merchandise, adult dining experiences. You're going to pay the same whether you book directly with Disney or with a travel agent, so you might as well get some extra spending money to take with you. If you're interested, send us an email at wes at mickeyworldtravel.com. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 72 of the DCL Dude Podcast. My name is Wes, and before we get to today's episode, I I first want to catch you up on some news related to Disney Cruise Line that we received over the last couple weeks. Uh, One is, uh, I think, exciting news, and one is definitely not exciting news. Uh, So we'll start with the, 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 the not exciting news first. Last week, Disney Cruise Line suspended sailings on the Disney Dream and the Disney Fantasy through September 15th. So more cruises have been canceled. Uh, unfortunately, the wonder and the magic, if you recall, had already been suspended through this date. So now none of the ships in the Disney Cruise Line fleet will be sailing, uh, with passengers, with cruise passengers anyway, at least until after September 15th. So that's the, uh, the not so good news, uh, on the more positive note, Disney Cruise Line also recently announced a temporary cruise date flexibility option that basically allows guests the ability to change their sail date to a future cruise up to 15 days prior to departure. So if you have a a future cruise booked, if you have a cruise booked um, for the rest of this year and your final payment date is coming up, um, and you are on the fence about whether or not you want to, uh, take the, take the cruise, uh, this, this, you know, this, this was meant to, to help, help, help you out. So, uh, this feature applies to any cruises booked by August 31st of this year and will be applicable for sailings through March 31st, 2021. So I, this is a great new feature for families who are on the fence about keeping their cruise reservations. Um, it, you know, it's, it gives you the flexibility to wait as long as, as long as you can, uh, to see if there's more information available or if things have changed, uh, and just allows you to make your final payment and have some, uh, have some confidence in, in being able to take your cruise or being able to, uh, move your cruise to a future date rather than having to cancel and, and potentially, uh, lose some of the money that you spent. So, I think that's a great move by Disney Cruise Line, uh, adding additional flexibility for families. I think it's, I think they're a little late on it. I think this would have been a great feature to add uh, months ago when they were originally canceling cruises, but um, they added it now, and and I think that's uh, really helpful for a lot of families. So, the last thing I wanted to mention uh, is related to today's episode. 
I'll introduce my guest in a minute, but I, I unfortunately had some issues with my microphone uh, while we were recording this episode, so I, I might sound a little bit different than I normally do. I'm, I'm sorry for the technical difficulties, and I, I hope you'll bear with me through the episode. I, my hope is that you won't think it sounds too different, um, but but if you do, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. One of my favorite things to talk about is Disney history, and in particular, Disney Cruise history. I was browsing through uh, my Twitter timeline one day, and I came across uh, a thread with some pictures from the early days of the wonder and the magic. The The pictures were very nostalgic for me because uh, my family started cruising with Disney very early on, and... Uh, uh, and the pictures just brought back some of some very fond memories for me. So anyway, the author of that Twitter post was Nick Kasurzin. Did I say that right? You got it. <laughs> awesome. Who also <laughs> runs the Twitter handle History at Disney, which is uh, just an awesome uh, Disney uh, Twitter account. I, I love following the the History at Disney Twitter account. I, uh, I I can't wait to ask you a little bit more about that because it's one of my my favorite accounts to follow. I love when you post new things on there. But um, but anyway, uh, Nick is a former cast member and is also a Disney historian. So I'm really excited to have him on my show. So hi, Nick. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to do this and should be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. So let's just uh, start off here. I, I know you uh, are a former Disney cast member. Is that right? Can you tell us a little bit about your experiences? Yeah, so no problem. Um, so I actually did the uh, Disney College program um, right out of college. I uh, actually got uh, assigned to Hollywood Studios, and I got to work uh, the fabulous attraction uh, Star Tours. So oh, that was, nice. Uh, absolute blast you know being a star wars fan myself it was you know i know it's cliche but it was a little bit of a dream come true yeah so i mean is that uh is you know was that the extent of your uh uh cast member at disney world or, or did you kind of bounce around and do other things yeah so that was i mean to be honest that was pretty much the extent of it um nice. i actually got married like shortly after so i moved away uh so you know priorities but yeah. you know it was a, <laughs> right. i think it was a good decision at the end of the day yeah. but no i mean it was an absolute blast and you know i definitely cherished every moment of it and you know maybe maybe one day if i'm lucky i'm able to get back down there and do a little bit more with disney yeah that's awesome uh so did you i mean were you like what did you do for star tours what was what was your what was your specific role for uh, you know with the attraction Yes. Yeah, so as an attractions host, you actually rotate uh, through about, I think, Star Tours. I think they had about 30 different positions, 20, 30 different positions. And you actually rotate throughout your day in 40-minute uh, intervals, pretty much. Um, so that way you're not, like, standing yeah, in yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah. hot sun and greeting the entire day. So, I mean, <laughs> I got to do everything from, you know, standing outside, doing height checks, to uh, running the attraction, to some, you know, really cool behind-the-scenes stuff. Gotcha. That's awesome. Um, so, I mean, you, you run the, the history at Disney Twitter account, mm -hmm. which is, I, wh where do you, I mean, how do you, how do you gather all your information? I mean, it, it, you, you post some really awesome pictures, you know, throwback to, you know, the very early years of, you know, Walt Disney world and, you know, a lot of Disney related things. Um, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you find that stuff? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a lot of research. Um, you know, to be honest, I'll I'll set it up and I'm like, you know, what am I kind of feeling to look back at today? You know, maybe whether it's a personal memory of myself or maybe something that someone maybe mentioned like earlier in the week or so. Um, but yeah, from there, it's just like I find a uh, find a subject and kind of just run with it. You know, uh, do some research on it, make sure I have all my ducks in a row, and then I'm able to able to post it and share it. So yeah. it's just it's more fun than anything just to be able to share either specific memories or maybe attraction that we lost, you know, years yeah, ago yeah. or maybe a random thing like yellow ponchos in the park, you know. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, yeah. I I I'm I'm being serious. I, I really love that account and, uh, any, you know, anybody who's listening should, should go and check that out for sure. Um, at history at Disney. So what, what interests you the most about the history of Disney? I mean, do you have a, a favorite thing to study? Um, you know, I mean, obviously Disney history involves like a broad scope of subjects. Um, you know, whether it be animation, Walt, you know, the parks for me personally, I have more of a personal connection to the parks, the resorts, the cruise line, um, because I started going when I was like, you know, six months old. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for me, that's more of a personal connection. So I tend to focus more on that aspect of it and more Walt Disney World, just being an East Coast guy, you go yeah. there more than Disneyland. Right, right. Uh, but then, you know, sometimes I do like to throw in, you know, some animation, maybe something about Walt, maybe some, you know, former imagineer or anything in that sense as well yeah that's awesome i that's that's so cool um you shared like i like i mentioned in my introduction a bunch of pictures from the early days of uh disney cruise line with the magic and the wonder um can you tell us a little about your experiences sailing with disney cruise line i mean do you do you get to cruise often how you know do you know how many cruises you've been on yeah, so uh, not as often as I would like. Yeah. Um, you know, my first cruise was in 2001, uh, or sorry, 2000. Uh, we were on the Wonder. And, um, you know, from there, we did the Magic, I think, you know, five, six times in a row, did a Mediterranean. And then uh, most recently, about two years ago, we were on the Fantasy, so the big ships for the new first yeah, time. Yeah. Um, you know, other than that, we were basically on all the quote unquote, uh, classic ships at that point. But I've done, uh, I think seven or eight cruises at this nice. point and you know, it just keeps getting better. Can't wait to hit platinum. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> one day, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you have a, a favorite, uh, cruise that you've done? Like favorite itinerary or anything like that? Oh man. So I've done the Bahamian itinerary. I've done the East Western Caribbean and I've done the uh, Mediterranean. Um, the one I keep on finding myself going back to though, is the Eastern Caribbean. Yeah. Um, really it just stems to St. Thomas, St. John. That's like one of my favorite spots in the world. Yes. Um, so just being able to go there, take the ferry over to St. John or, you know, taxi, whatever, and just kind of hang out there for the day. And plus, you know, the Mediterranean's nice and all, but Castaway Key is really, you know, that cherry on top. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny you say that because uh, when I've uh, talked about the Eastern Caribbean, one of my favorite things to do is visit the island of St. John. I think it's mm -hmm. uh, the islands. I mean, St. Thomas is beautiful uh, oh, yeah. itself, but, you know, something something special about, about St. John. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. Especially, you know, all parts of the Caribbean you go through, it's pretty densely populated. And then all of a sudden you have St. John where it's 80% national park and you're just, you know, able to escape and 
you feel like you're in your own like private world. It's pretty yeah, cool. Right, right. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so I, I guess just thinking back to your your first cruise, I mean what mm-hmm. do you what do you remember what do you remember from that cruise and what, what do you think made it such a, a unique experience? Yeah, so that that first cruise, um, we did the whole land and sea package because I don't think they were at the seven day itineraries uh, just yet. So right. it was a four day, or sorry, four night Bahamian cruise. Um, but I mean, the the thing that you really just take away from it is you're kind of in this little dome, you know, little cone of Disney, which is really really cool. And you know, you pair that up with the you know going to Disney World for a couple days and. I think the thing I remember the most at that time was, um, you know, I was in the kids clubs at the time, not to, you know, age myself, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was definitely, definitely in the kids clubs. But, yeah. you know, looking back into that, I, I really do appreciate that because I'm able to, you know, then grow up with the ships yeah, right. and experience something new. So maybe get a little bit of a unique perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I never did the Oceaneers club. I was always in the Oceaneers lab. Um, on that cruise. my sister she was she's younger than me so she was in the club um which you know i thought that was absolutely amazing because they just had a giant playground and you know of course being older we had computer games and everything but yeah i mean probably probably just hanging out in the in the lab the entire time um it was really a wonderful space i think you know i was in there at 8 a.m and didn't leave until dinner time and then i went re- right back in there till like 12 so right, yeah. Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's funny because i i mean i i grew up with the ships uh as well and um i was you know i was i think my i can't remember how old i was on my first one i was i think i was 13 so i was kind of in mm-hmm. that um that next group up I, I don't even remember what the club was called at the time um, yeah. I don't know if it was vibe or whatever it was at the time, but, um, yeah, I just remember, you know, get on, getting on the ship and then kind of say, you know, saying to my parents, well, see you later. It, it, just fun. Uh, thanks for bringing me on the ship. Maybe I'll see you at dinner time. Cause we didn't, you know, didn't spend a whole lot of time with, uh, with my parents. We were in the, in, the, in, you know, in that, in those kids spaces the whole time. Yeah. So a hundred percent. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. I mean, and it's crazy because even back then they had a, I remember they had a beeper system. So if you wanted your parents, they literally gave you like a black beeper, yeah, um, right. gave your parents like a black beeper, like straight out of like, you know, 1999. Yep. And that's how they would page them. It's right. like, Hey, you know, your kid needs you or your kid wants out, you know, it was pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, no, definitely the team club, um, and where the Cove cafe is now, but it was, it was called common grounds. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it didn't live for very long. I was actually looking the other day. Sometimes there was like some merch that would pop up on eBay from it, and they had like a couple pins. But oh, no, cool. I remember we used to raid uh, Common Grounds. That was like one of the activities of the lab, because we'd be able to go in there when you guys uh, weren't in there. And, you know, we were able to play, uh, I think it was, I think they had like a PlayStation in the back. Whenever you enter in Cove Cafe now, if you look to the right, there's like the wall with the TV on it. Yeah. That used to be like a whole lounge area, which was right. yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, one of the you know one of the things that I you know I've I've talked to uh, I had Joe Lenzisro who was a mm-hmm. you know a former Disney Imagineer on my show oh, yeah. one time. Um, so it's kind of fun to you know pick pick his brain a little bit about uh, the origins of Disney Cruise Line. Um, just you know from from your perspective, kind of mm-hmm. you know. 
thinking about the process for venturing into the new market that was cruising, um, you know, why do you think, why do you, for, you know, why do you think Disney was well positioned to take such a, a bold step? You know, typically they were sort of, um, animation and, and filmmaking right. and, you know, TV shows and, uh, and theme parks and then to, you know, to pivot and, and go to something completely new and different. I mean, why were they well, you know, well positioned to do something, make, take such a big step like that? Yeah, definitely. Well, I know cruising, you know, in the uh, earlier days, um, you know, was more of like a, you know, honeymoon, you know, couples get away. A lot of people thought of it for like retirees. Yeah, um, right. About the time Disney was looking to get into it in the 80s, you know, it was kind of starting to shift its focus a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Disney really just saw they had a uh, untapped market. Uh, that they wanted to get into. And I think that they were able to do it so well because they had complete control over every square inch of the ships because Mm. they designed them brand new instead of, you know, buying an older ship and retrofitting it to their needs, which is what a lot of new cruise lines would do back then. Um, Disney kind of took that next step and designed the ships to exactly what they need, their specifications. They were able to get that attention to detail that, makes it Disney. And at the end of the day, I think that's really what puts them apart from the other cruise lines is their attention to detail. Um, obviously the cast members, you know I mean? That they, they make it right there. Right. Uh, but I think just th- those factors is really what led to their success. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think, you know, the, the proximity of Port Canaveral to the, uh, Orlando theme parks was a, was a huge yeah. factor as well because, um, as you mentioned early on, the the land and sea packages were a big selling point for Disney Cruise Line. That's my my family. The first you know few cruises that we took was mm-hmm. we would spend go spend a few days at Walt Disney World, and then we'd you know, drive over to Port Canaveral and and you know spend some relaxing days at sea. So um, I think you know. In in addition to everything you said, I think the proximity to uh, the theme parks and being able to cruise out of Port Canaveral was also a huge draw and to kind of just focus on the, um, you know, on the families and, and right. cause like you said, I think cruising at the time was very, uh, focused toward adults or, you know, an older generation and, and Disney really, uh, pivoted and, and, you know, made it more, more family, more family oriented. Um, so Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, uh, Port Canaveral is, you know, a huge part of that because at the time um, that Disney was looking at getting going, uh, the Port of Miami, you know, was the largest cruise ship port. And that's pretty much where everybody went out of. And then Disney kind of threw their hat and said, hey, you know, Port Canaveral, you know, let's let's do this. And that actually kind of changed the entire port itself, too, because after Disney got into Port Canaveral, uh, Port Canaveral ended up getting a lot more, not not necessarily a lot more, but maybe um, they were, I guess, other cruise lines were more willing to base their ships there instead of maybe Miami. So right. it really shifted the cruise industry in a, uh, in a good way in the uh, state of Florida. Definitely. Yeah. What, what do you think? I mean, what do you think were some of the challenges that, you know, that they face in, you know, taking such a bold step, launching a cruise line? 
Oh man, um, where do I begin on that one? <laughs> so, yeah, so so Disney actually wanted to start uh, getting in the cruise industry as early as I can trace back is uh, 1984. Um, so at that time, it was actually a really big struggle for the, the company. Uh, they had just survived a uh, hostile takeover event by Saul Steinberg, which at the time cost the company about $350 million oh, wow. to put. That in perspective, that's about $863 million today. Oh, wow. And to build the fantasy costs $940 million. <laughs> so to, to put that in a little bit so of it cost them a, it, it cost them a little bit of money. Yeah, just just a little <laughs> bit, you know, just to make a ship from, you know, 2012. No big deal, right? Yeah. Um, so obviously that was number one. They're, they're fighting Saul Steinberg. Um, they're trying to keep – the company Disney, because Saul actually wanted to uh, take the company, break it apart, and sell off the divisions to the highest bidder. Mm. Um, so they're they're fighting that. Another one is uh, cruise ships are not cheap. Like I just said, you know, right. the fantasy costs nine hundred forty million dollars, and at the time, Disney didn't have the cash. Uh, the next thing is, yeah, the parks were doing well, but you got to remember, um, Epcot opened in 82, Tokyo Disneyland opened in 83. So they're developing at the time, the two most expensive theme parks that Mm. they've ever produced. So their cash is tied up there. And then to top it all off, you know, you have weak revenue from the animated films, which really helped, you know, kind of create Disneyland. Um, but weak revenue from the rescuers from Fox and the Hound and the Black Cauldron was in production at that point. And that, uh, at the time was the most expensive animated film made at about $40 million. So you add all of those factors together and Disney was kind of like, yeah, we want to get into it, but we'd rather, you know, see what our options are out there. Yeah. Who can we partner with and, uh, go from there. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective and one that I, you know, hadn't heard or thought of before is just the, you know, the cash, the cash flow mm-hmm. requirements of, of ent- you know, entering such a, uh, a new industry. Because, yes, there are <laughs> – it's crazy expensive to, to build a cruise ship, obviously. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, that's, that's, some very, that's some really interesting perspective of, you know, what was going on at the time. Um, Rescuers, by the way, is one of my favorite animated uh, classic Disney movies. So, oh, it's absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Don't get me wrong; it just didn't bring in Sleeping Beauty money right. that they were yeah, right. for. So, <laughs> people didn't people didn't know what they uh, what they had in. Uh, yeah, didn't know a good movie if you know when they when they could see it. Um, right. But uh, but yeah, no. Thanks for sharing that. That's uh, that's really interesting. And I think obviously there's the challenges of just you know going into a space where. Um, they haven't ventured into before i mean can you you can talk about can you give any perspective on kind of like the big red boat and that that experiment that they had yeah so the big red boat was actually pretty interesting um it actually wasn't the first partnership that disney had uh so the first partnership that disney had was actually with uh, norwegian caribbean lines um and they actually chartered the um i think it was like the ss norway they chartered it for a week uh, to do like kind of a Disney week at sea, just kind of like a test to see what was going on. Um, so they actually did that. That was actually Disney's first partnership. Um, after that was deemed kind of a success, you know, and I say kind of because they really didn't know what was going on too much with cruise lines. 
Um, then they actually entered in an eight-year agreement with Premier Cruise Lines that started in 1985 and ended in 1993. Um, and I can get into a whole, you know, big thing on that as well. But it was it was really interesting because um, they went ahead and they did the land and sea, you know, kind of like Disney Cruise Line started doing as well. They would partner with Walt Disney World. You'd go have a vacation. You go see. The brand new, you know, at the time, the brand new Epcot Center. Um, and then, you know, go take a, a four-day cruise down the Bahamas. And then on top of all that, you know, you can do a complete vacation package with um, Eastern Airlines. And you can get round-trip flights out of Orlando. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the whole premier uh, perspective is actually really, really interesting. Um, you know, it, it went well. You know, basically, Disney said, hey, we can license you our characters. You can go ahead and use them. We'll pay you a fee. Um, and it was really a good way for them to test the market just to see if the market was there for Disney to then turn around and build their own cruise line. Uh, so, I mean, Premiere is a huge, huge part of Disney Cruise Line history. And, you know, without that partnership, that eight-year partnership, I don't think we'd be looking at the cruise line as we know it today oh wow yeah i I, yeah that's um uh i agree with you and i think the the experiment was probably well worth it because it you know it it sort of sort of proved that there was a market for it and that you know that that uh, they could take what made disney so famous and and put it on a cruise line so um definitely agree Mm -hmm. with you on that so i mean what do you think? What do you think are the biggest factors that have made the cruise line so successful? I mean, there's the obvious, you know, that it's Disney branded, but you know, what what specifically about cruising with Disney do you think contributes to making it the success that it is? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, first, obviously, probably the biggest thing would probably be the Disney name and the level of service that you get with it. Uh, I mean, that's the, you know, obvious answer I can give you. Uh, but from, from there, they actually were an early, not necessarily early adopter, but you know what I'm saying? Um, into the family cruising Mm -hmm. market. Uh, so they kind of got, you know, first picks and at the time, um, even up until I think a couple years ago, Disney estimated about 90% of their cruisers on a ship, uh, were brand new to cruising. Um, this was their first ever cruise. And, a lot of that was because, again, the Disney name. They had a unique approach to it, still do. Uh, they do things that other cruise lines don't, like, you know, I mean, the fireworks at sea, you know, the Broadway-style shows. Yeah, other cruise lines do that, but they don't do it like Disney does because um, Disney's able to throw that little pixie dust on top. And then also a huge part of it is uh, Castaway Key. Yes, you know, for sure. When uh, Castaway Key was first being conceived – um, in 94, and this goes to, uh, the out Island adventure is what they were going to call it at the time. Uh, they were going to tender every other cruise line at the time tendered from the ship to the, the private Island that they had. Disney was looking at doing that as well. I think they had maybe two different docks that they were Mm. going to do, but then Disney said, wait a second, we've got this entire Island. We've got it on a 99-year lease. Let's go ahead and develop a dock. You know, let's go ahead and dredge out so people can walk on and off the ship. And it, it was a brilliant idea because, I mean, how many times do you, you know, go to Castaway Key, you know, go eat at Cookies, and then you're like, all right, let's go back to the ship, you know. 
It's a huge, it's a huge benefit. Back, yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you don't have that opportunity with other cruise lines. And I think that's something you don't realize until you are on the ship and there. But I think the big advantage to that is once you experience it, you don't want to do anything else right, because right, it is so yeah, convenient. Right. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, so, I, mean, I love Castaway Key. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite places in the world. It's, it's amazing. Do you, um, do you have any idea? Was, was Castaway Key kind of in, um, you know, the plans from the beginning? I mean, was mm-hmm. it, did, did having a private Island destination factor into Disney's decision-making at all? You know, was it, was it, necessary do you think for disney's success in the in the industry yeah i think it was 100 percent necessary um and the reason i say that is uh you know this was as we know very early on they were looking at castaway key um at the time gorda yeah, key, right. uh, gorda yeah. key whatever yeah. you want to call <laughs> <Yeah>. it <laughs> tomato <laughs> tomato we have concept <laughs> is, yeah exactly i mean i as you can see whichever one i'm talking about either say yeah. k or key yeah. so <laughs> but Definitely very early on, um, the concept art that uh, I was able to find was from 1994, um, which, you know, Disney had ended their uh, license agreement with Premier in, I think it was November of 93. So very early on, they saw that they needed a private island and other cruise lines had it. Um, so I think 100%, if Disney did not have a yeah. private island, I don't think they would have succeeded and I think they knew that at the time sure. as well, because you can go on Royal Caribbean and, you know, if everything is the same, but at the end of the day, you stop at a private island and Disney right, doesn't, right. you know, the average cruiser is going to say, you know what, let's go back to Royal Caribbean at that sure, really yeah. cool private yeah. island. That's a great point. And, and, and thanks for reminding me of the, you know, the the pictures that you shared about the, the early renderings of cast wiki and the, or the early concept art. Cause, um, yeah. again, that was uh, something that I saw on your, on your Twitter timeline. Uh, it, it was awesome. It, you know, the, just being able to look at what the, what the vision was of cast wiki early on and then comparing it to mm-hmm. what it is now. It's, um, it was pretty cool. It was, I, it, that's, I mean, that, that was fascinating to me just to be able to see that. So I, I appreciated, uh, you sharing that. Um, and you should definitely go check that out. Um, when you first visited Castaway Key, I mean, what, what were your, what were your impressions? I mean, first off, besides, holy cow, I'm on a private (laughs) island. Um, (laughs) it feels kind of funny because it's so small. I mean, you can, when you're on the ship, you can see the full, uh, you know, the full way around it. So you're literally kind of in the middle of nowhere. You, You could, I guess you could see land like way off in the distance, but, um, for the most part, you're, you're pretty secluded out there. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm going to be honest. I didn't, uh, until a couple of years ago, until I saw it, I didn't believe we were anywhere near <laughs> yeah. land. Um, and the p- people that worked on the island, I thought they had to ferry like three days to get there or something, you know? I mean, it was, it was pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah. But, you know, my, my first impressions of Castaway Key is probably, you know, first, wow, I'm at a private island. And then two, for me, I'm like, it feels so much like mm. Disney down to the uh, the red pavement that they use on Castaway Key. They use that same red pavement in the parks because it, you know, it makes the vegetation right, pop. Yeah, it yeah. makes for better pictures. So it felt for me very, very at home. You know, because I had, you know, it's it's a small thing you don't think about, but you have that small little bit of something that you're able to recognize that instantly puts you at ease. Not to mention, you know, 
the beach, the ocean, yeah. you know, wonderful food. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. It makes me sad that so many people are having their cruises canceled right now just because, you know, missing, being able to miss out on all these experiences is uh, it's yeah. just really sad. So it's, I uh, can't wait for uh, it to resume so that, we, you know, people can get back to enjoying their family vacations. Um, so some of the, the another thing that I found really interesting from that uh, that Twitter thread that we were talking about was just some of the, the features mm-hmm. on the ships from you know in their early years and one of my favorite features even still today on the on the Disney cruise ships is the chandeliers and the lobby atriums. Um, yeah, and you shared something about the Chihuly chandeliers that I had never heard before. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the history of those? Yeah, so uh, Dale Chihuly, if you've never heard of him, is uh, you know world-renowned uh, glass artist. He does wonderful blown glass sculptures, and uh, you can see him pretty much anywhere in the world. Uh, you may have to hunt a little bit to find yeah. it, but Disney actually commissioned him to do uh, the chandeliers in the Magic and the Wonder. Um, now, you know, you can kind of see a problem with that uh, from Disney's perspective. You have a glass chandelier. <laughs> on a moving structure that may get hit by a rogue wave, (laughs) you know? Yeah, the the ship is a little unstable. Yeah, yeah, and by the way, it's three stories (laughs) up, and you may have like 400 people below it. No big deal, right? Um, (laughs) So I I really think uh, the Disney lawyers had a a good say in it. And when, uh, you know, they were looking at it and everything after they commissioned uh, Dale Chihuly to do the chandeliers, they said, oh, by the way, we need you to make them out of a uh, kind of kind of a plasticky material, more of an acrylic uh, combination. Um, so those sculptures, even though they look like glass and remember, glass is really, really heavy yeah, as yeah. well and don't really have a place to reinforce it on a cruise ship. Um, so that's you know, kind of twofold why they went and made it out of like in a plastic acrylic instead, which you would never know unless someone told you. And then still looking at it, you probably yeah, wouldn't know. I thought that was so <laughs> interesting because I had no idea. I just, like you said, I assumed they were glass. I mean, they're, they're beautiful. They look like glass, which, you know, it was mm-hmm. amazing that he could make something look like glass, but, you know, make it out of plastic. Um, and then you shared something else that I thought was interesting that, uh, you know, after they removed them from the ships, because, they're you know, they're not there anymore, that right. uh, that Dale Chihuly actually didn't didn't like the chandeliers. Yeah, so he, uh, you know, through the great Brian rumor has it, he did not like them at all. And that's because he wasn't able to work yeah. with glass. You know, he had to work with a different material. And so, um, you know, Disney kindly offered to return them to Dale Chihuly. Um, and rumor has it that he disliked it so much, he may have ended up destroying those <laughs> chandeliers. I just thought that was so interesting. I, I, I mean, even if it is a rumor, I, I, you know, it's a great story. Yeah. Um, and and, and, and oh, the yeah. fact that they're, you know, he's this world-renowned um, glass artist. And he, you know, I could just see him being you know begrudgingly agreeing to make uh a chandelier out of plastic uh just to to help disney out um but i just thought that was that was really interesting so uh something i had never heard before uh another you know feature on the disney cruise ships that you know i always really like is what what a lot of people refer to as the uh 
um, the aft character ornaments, the you know the the characters that hang mm-hmm. from the the stern, or excuse me, the aft of the ships. Um, any uh, any insight into kind of this the construction process of those, or you know how uh, how those came about? Yeah, so um, you know, for those aft characters, it's you know, Imagineering they do an absolutely great job at it. Uh, it's obviously starts brainstorming session, and kind of the key in that brainstorming session is okay, take the you know Disney fantasy, and you know what what is fantasy, and they kind of go from there, get the ball rolling. Um, from there, you know, obviously with the fantasy, they decided on Dumbo and Timothy Mouse. And, um, I think it was actually, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name cause I always do, but Joe Lanzaro, um, yeah. Lanzaro, sorry. See, I told you, <laughs> I, you know, I told you it was going to happen. It happened. Um, but he, you know, actually stated, he was like, you know, what's more fantasy than a flying right. elephant. And that's why Dumbo was chosen for the fantasy. Um, so after they choose the character, it goes through this huge, long process, starts with a sketch and, you know, they slowly build up, you know, a maquette into a model. And then they, uh, are able to, um, after they get it sculpted full size, uh, they do that in clay. Oh, wow. Um, but after they get it sculpted full size, they'll actually take a laser and scan it into a computer. So it's recreated and produced in fiberglass. Oh, wow. Yeah, so fiberglass, you know, obviously a really light, light durable, um, able to hold up to, you know, the ocean, yeah, the yeah. sun. And then, you know, they paint it and bolt it on and yeah, call it a day. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually had read somewhere, I think, that, that you know, Joe had had the idea for Dumbo and Timothy Mouse uh, for the fantasy. Um, and I meant to ask him about it, and I completely forgot, mm-hmm. you know, when I spoke to him. So, um, you know, I figured I'd see if you had any insight into that. But that's, uh, that's really interesting. So thanks for sharing that. Um, so obviously, you know, Disney Cruise Line is – uh, not sailing right now, at least not with passengers anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, it's been a huge hit to Disney business overall. Um, but just any thoughts on the, the future of Disney Cruise Line as it relates to the, the current health environment? I mean, um, how, how, how do you see us being able to, to get back to cruising again sometime soon? Yeah, definitely. So I've actually been thinking about that a lot yeah, lately, you know, from a kind of selfish perspective because <laughs> right. i'm supposed to go on a cruise in november that hasn't been canceled yeah, right. yet right. Um, yeah. we're september and you know i'm yeah, a month and exactly. a half away yeah. <laughs> um but i i think you're gonna see a lot a lot of changes um in the sense of uh cabanas um i i truly believe that it's going to be it's still going to be a buffet quote yeah. unquote but you may have a cast member serving the food going sure. down the line with you and then picking it up at yeah. the end um, I think the most changes you will see will be within dining itself due to social distancing. Sure. Um, you know, I, I can see them opening up, you know, a couple of the restaurants, you know, for breakfast, yeah. lunch, in addition to cabanas. I know they already do that in a sense, but I think you'll see it on a sure, grander yeah. scale. Yeah, that, I mean, I know they have on sea days. They have buffets, you know, like in uh, in in one of the restaurants, and maybe maybe they make that more. Mm-hmm make it happen more often just to spread people out. I think the thing I'm most right. curious to see is, you know, one, what they do with capacity, you know, I, I highly doubt they'll be sailing at full capacity. Uh, and then also what, you know, what they'll do with the, uh, 
events like shows in the Walt Disney Theater. I mean, how are they going to see people uh, in the theater, if at all? So, you know, it would be yeah. really, uh, really, really interesting to, you know, to see. Obviously, we don't – we have no details until they tell us. So it's kind of fun to just speculate and think about, you know, what, what could be. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, so obviously Disney Cruise Line is also adding three new ships to the fleet. Uh, one was the first one was supposed to come in, you know, the beginning of 2022. We'll, you know, we'll mm-hmm. see if, uh, if, if that, if that still happens, I haven't, I haven't heard otherwise at this point, but at the same time, you know, they're probably focusing on other things right now. Um, I guess just generally speaking, how do you think adding three new ships to the fleet will improve the overall Disney Cruise experience? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, you know, the more the more ships to the fleet, you know, the better for me. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I welcome them with open <laughs> yeah. arms because that gives me another thing to, uh, right, to check right, off. Right. But no, I think I think it's going to open to a lot more destinations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're going to see a lot more unique itineraries, um, and you know, there's there's rumblings about one being based over in Europe. There's rumblings about it, you know, possibly being based in the uh, Asia yeah. market. So I, I think that you're going to see obviously a lot more itineraries, um, but a lot more experiences mm. as well. Cause you know, as you've covered in the past, these ships are going to be, you know, similar yet vastly different right. than what we know when it comes to uh, Disney yeah, cruise line. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things I'm exactly what you just said, one of the things I'm most curious to, you know, to learn about and excited to hear about is what are those new experiences going to be? Because yeah, the, mm-hmm. the ships are going to be relatively the, you know, the same size They're I guess for all intents and purposes, they're like, you know, I forget what they said, not a hundred feet longer or something like that. Maybe even less, I, I forget what exactly what it was, but you know, for all, for, for the most part, the ships will be the same size, but how do they, how do they, you know, step up their game and, and really, uh, improve using new technology and, and, and figure out new experiences based on, um, guest feedback and, uh, you know, the fantasy and the dream had the aqueduct, which was very innovative for the time. Uh, you know, the first water coaster at sea, I, I think it's still the only water coaster at sea. Um, you know, so I think expectations are certainly high, uh, for these, these new cruise ships and, uh, it'll be fun to, fun to finally hear some, you know, some actual details about what, uh, what we'll see on them. So definitely looking forward to that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think it's going to be absolutely amazing. Um, I can't wait to hear more about it. I think you know, some of the most uh, the most fun you can have until you hear anything else is just try and guess what the yes. names of the new ships are going to be. We already know <laughs> right, the wish, right. but you know what, what's yeah. the other two going to be? You, so I think that's going to be guess, what, interesting. If you had to guess, what would you say? You know, I've I've got a funny story about that. Yeah, if please, you don't mind yeah. backtracking. All right. So actually, in uh, I went on a cruise 2008, um, and I was in one. Of, I think I was in uh, the stack at the time, which was the teen club. Um, but there was one day they took us all down to Animator's Palette, and we we're supposed to do like a, a character drawing workshop that they yeah, do yeah. down there, you know. Um, but they took us down there, and they sat us around the table. And at the time, I didn't know it. But there was two Imagineers there, and this was 2008, and they 
kind of had a you know roundtable discussion with us, and they're oh, saying, wow. okay, well, if uh, you know you're going to do a new ship, if we're going to build a new ship, you know what what would you guys call it? And so they kind of just went around with us, had us write it down, you know, on wow. a piece of paper, yeah. give it to them. And then, uh, then we got to draw our characters, which is all we wanted yeah, to do right. at the time. But, you know, looking back at it, I'm like, one, I really want to know who those two Imagineers were. <laughs> and two, what the heck did I write oh. down? Because if I came up with fantasy or dream, I want some royalties. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they're all, they're all sitting but, around jokes on you guys. We, 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 we didn't have any ideas. So we, you know, we asked the kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean, which, you know from Disney's perspective is brilliant because what a better way to name a ship and from getting inside the head of, you know, ch- right, children, right, right. teens, you know, all the youth, because, you know, they're not going to come up with something corporate. They're going to just come up with something that's yeah, a fun name. Yeah. Um, you know, and going back to your original question, you know, I, I like adventure, but unfortunately we already have adventures sure. by Disney. So unless we see a rebranding yeah. on that, I don't see that happening. Um, but with it being the Triton class, I, I still think that one of the ships will be called Triton. Oh, really? I know that there's some people out there that, you know, say, eh, no. And, you know, they've got a lot more information yeah, yeah. than I do. Uh, but I, I think Triton would be it a would cool, be cool one. Uh, and then for the last one, you know, I, I, I don't know. I know they still have plenty of time yeah, right. for that, but you know, if I had to take a wild guess, you know, maybe something Star Wars related. No, I don't know. Everything's going that route nowadays. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I think, uh, I mean, I agree. I think Triton would be a cool ship name. I, I just feel like it's a little bit too much of a departure from, you, you know, kind of the, um, the pattern that they have established, but you oh, know, yeah. the, um, the 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 magic and the wonder are called magic class ships you know the first ship in the fleet was the magic the dream and the fantasy or dream class ships um the first ship in that fleet was the dream so they already kind of broke tradition uh by not calling the wish the triton but i mean it's uh, it's certainly possible my 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 guess is uh believe and imagine either imagination or imagine one of the two I'm guessing. I, li- I like yeah. both of those. I'm jealous. I did not come up with that because that's a million times better than Triton and something Star Wars. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the problem with those is they're you know they're too. They almost feel too obvious. So you know if if it, if it does end up that it's uh you know that it is those I can't really say you know I told you so because a million other people probably have come up with those as well so but that's that gut feeling uh that's that's what i'm saying so um but it's fun to speculate for now so (laughs) um but yeah that's uh so that that's all i had nick for uh for for topics and and questions i really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to to do this i you know i i think disney history is something that i'm just always so interested in so i i I appreciate the the posts on your twitter page and uh it was fun it was fun chatting some disney cruise line with you yeah thanks again so much for having me wes man this was a absolute blast and anytime to uh, talk some disney history or just disney in general is a is a really fun time for me as well so again thanks for having me absolutely and uh i'll Maybe once a you know new ship comes in the fleet or we learn some new information, we'll get you back on and uh, and just chat about it. Yeah, sounds wonderful. All right, cool. Anytime. Sounds good. Thanks, Nick.
Thank you, Wes. As a reminder, you can connect with the show by following along on Twitter at the DCL Dude or by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash DCL Dude Podcast. Please feel free to ask a question, leave a comment, drop a note, or share the podcast with your followers. I'd also be very grateful if you could rate the podcast on iTunes and leave a review. Of course, if there's anything I could do to improve your listening experience, please let me know. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.